I'd like to just uh, welcome those who are joining us at Mission Church Online. God bless you. It's so good that you're streaming with us today, and we trust that you'll sense God's presence and be touched by His Word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, for those of you that were here uh, yesterday, you were blessed to meet and to receive the ministry from our general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, Pastor Doug Clay. And uh, I was so, so grateful that uh, last year when I, I sent the, the invitation to his office to come and be a part of the summit and also to be here in our church service today, uh, got an immediate response from his office saying that he would be he would be uh, glad and honored to be here. So we were so blessed to have his ministry with us yesterday, ministering to all the leaders and church. We're so blessed to have um, our general superintendent with us this morning in the Mission Church. So I wonder, could you stand to your feet and let's just welcome Pastor Doug Clay as he comes to minister the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Hey, while you're standing, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning, can we? Everybody give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. Ah, this is the day the Lord has made, right? We can rejoice and be glad. Aren't you glad that joy is a choice? It's not dependent on circumstances, weather, whoever is... Uh, politically leading. Joy is an opportunity that we choose, and I am grateful for that today. Wow, so grateful to be a part of this healthy local church that's having an incredible global reach. And, you know, I'm in a different church every week, sometimes two, three times a week. Uh, uh, Mega churches, small churches, metropolitan areas, rural areas. Here's what I can tell you. Great churches are not built accidentally. There's a lot of intentionality. First of all, it takes a canopy of God's blessing. And how many of you know the mission churches have had the blessing of the Lord on it for years? Uh, it takes people like you that understand what a church is. We're not just a religious fraternity that does a few human, uh, humanitarian deeds throughout the year, but we are the body of Christ. We're the agency that God is using to advance his kingdom here on earth. So thank you for being the church, being the, the body of Christ. But great churches also take called and capable leadership. Leadership that places a high priority on people experiencing God and life change and creativity and the anointing. And can I tell you, when it comes to a high level of character and, and, and creativity and credibility, you have the absolute best sitting right down there in the front in Pastor Greg Johnson. Thank you, Greg, for saying yes to the Lord. Now, I've known of you. I've read some of your literature. But when I met your wife, I knew you were sharp because you married way out of your league, pal. And I just, uh, I'm thankful for Miss Laura. And thank you for being such a blessing to this church and this congregation. Delighted to be here today. I want to bring a message this morning about being aware of the Lord's presence, living with an awareness of His presence. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? 
Have you ever gone through a situation, um, maybe unexpectedly, and wondered, where's God? Or maybe you have cried out to the Lord and not sure if he's heard you. Or perhaps you felt like Jacob. Check out this verse, Genesis 28, 16. The Bible says that when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. All right, have you ever seen this kind of warning sign? In case of an emergency, break the glass. It's usually painted bright red. It stands out from its surroundings, right? It's designed to grab your attention. Maybe it's to access an AED or to pull a fire alarm to get a hose. Here's what I know. When life is normal, we have a tendency to ignore those indicators. But when the hallway fills up with smoke, those indicators become really important. And friends, the same is true when it comes to the presence of God. Now, i got to tell you, it's mind-boggling to me to know that God never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. There's a word for that. It's called omnipresence. It's a proverbial truth, but oftentimes we don't think about it till we're in the middle of a crisis. Omnipresence, that means that God is Lord over Africa, he's Lord over Europe, he's Lord over America. It's a theological truth that describes an attribute of God. But I want you to know that omnipresence also means that God is a right here, right now, right next to you present type God. And that's what I want to focus in on this morning. I think that's what David meant when he said in Psalm 139, where could I go to escape your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and flew across the ocean. Even then your powerful arm would guide and protect me. The presence not just the attribute, the word that describes an attribute of God, but a living reality that you can go to the bank on that God is right here, right now, right next to you, present. I believe that when you realize that God is with you at all times and wherever you go, it can sustain you when you're experiencing one of those why is this happening to me type times. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the presence of God. There's a few statements that I want to unpack as it relates to being aware of the Lord's presence. The first statement is this, that when you feel discouraged, remember, God is with you and on your side. Can we say that out loud this morning? Come on, Mission Church, read this with me. When you feel discouraged, God is with you and on your side. You know, life is full of discouragement. It comes in various forms. It can sneak up on you subtly. It can, uh, it can come out of the blue. Discouragement, I've discovered in life, is not optional. But how I handle it is so critical. And if you're like me, discouragement has a tendency to cloud our perspective. And when you have a cloud perspective, that turns into a critical spirit. And when you have a critical spirit, it's really hard to be aware of the Lord's presence. 
Again, that's probably why David wrote this. The Lord saved me from death. He stopped my tears. He kept me from defeat. Watch this. And so I walk in the presence of the Lord in the world of the living. You know, can I tell you, too many people walk in the broadcast of CNN news. They walk in the shadow of what they've read on social media. They walk in the, the shadow of what the office talk was. And sometimes when you walk in the presence of those things, it clouds your perspective. And you don't see the presence of the Lord. <laughs> you know, speaking of um, perspective... I heard an old radio Bible preacher, Adrian Rogers, tell a story this week on a, a message I was listening to. He talked about a, a young soldier and his commanding officer that were traveling in the Swiss, through the Swiss Alps by train. And when the officer and his young soldier got on the board, the train was filled, totally filled. There were only two seats left in a little quad compartment across from a distinguished-looking lady and a younger gal that might have been her granddaughter. The commanding officer approached and said, Ma'am, may we sit here? And she nodded her head, and so the two sat down facing each other. Pretty soon, the train tunneled through the mountains, and it was pitch black in that train car. And in the darkness of that moment, you heard the loud sound of the smack of a kiss and the loud sound of the smack of a slap. And when the train emerged, everybody's eyes were wide open, staring at each other, and the elderly lady thought to herself, boy, that was bold of that young boy to kiss my granddaughter, but I sure am glad she slapped him. The commanding officer thought to himself, man, I didn't think the young buck had it in him, but boy, I wish she wouldn't have missed and slapped me. That really hurt. The girl was sitting there thinking, boy, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that, but I'm so embarrassed my grandmother smacked him. And it was only the young soldier sitting there thinking, you know, life is good. When can a guy smack his commanding officer and kiss a pretty girl at the same time? It's perspective. It's perspective. And I want you to know that uh, you can train your perspective to be aware of the Lord's presence as you walk in the presence of the Lord. When you feel discouraged, keep in mind God's with you and he's on your side. A second statement as it relates to the presence of the Lord would be this. When you feel afraid, remember God is as close as the mention of his name. Now is it just me? Or does it seem like there's a lot of free-floating anxiety floating around in culture these days? And that anxiety attaches itself to us, and that anxiety can produce high levels of fear. And when people are overcome with fear, they do things, they say things that oftentimes they later regret. There was a short season in David's life soon after he was appointed and anointed by God to be the next king of Israel 
that he let anxiety turn into fear and it kept him from fulfilling his purpose. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 27, but uh, for the short season of time when, when, when David was overcome with the anxiety that God had anointed and God had appointed him to be the next king of Israel, but he was aware that Saul was still on the throne, he let fear rather than faith overtake him. And I want you to see a few things that that caused him to do. First of all, he started thinking to himself more than he should have. 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, the Bible says, David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul's going to get me. Can I tell you, the beginning of David's problem was that he was thinking to himself too much. When you think to yourself too much, you forget about the promises of God. You see, your mind and your thoughts can lead you away from the certainty of God's promises, from the certainty of God's purpose for your life. God had sent Samuel to anoint David. It was a, it was a powerful, moving, spiritual experience where, where God was saying, you're the next leader of Israel. But when he got up from that situation, he started thinking to himself too much. Church, I want to say to you that in your life, I pray that you'll always let God talk be louder than self-talk in your life. You know, self-talk says, I can't do this. God talk says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Self-talk says, I'm afraid. God talk says, I haven't given to you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Self-talk says, I don't know what to do. God talk says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask it of God who gives it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. One of the reasons why your pastors put such a high priority on Scripture in their teaching is because when you go through one of those, why is this happening to me type times, there's nothing like God's Word that can anchor your emotions and protect your thinking. You say, Pastor Clay, do you really believe that strongly in the Word of God? I do. Because I've discovered that God has both the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise in his book. He doesn't lie. He doesn't break a promise. Have you ever been the victim of a broken promise? Boy, that hurts. And if somebody breaks a promise, it's generally because they don't follow through on what they said they would do. That's integrity. Or they don't have the resources to back up what they said they would do. That's ability. So I suspect I discovered the power of God's promises in my life my freshman year in college. Now, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid, so I was born and raised in this thing. I cut my teeth in the back of church pews. Uh, uh, I was left many Sunday nights sleeping in a pew. My mom was the minister of music. My dad was the pastor. I'd fall asleep in the church pew, and then dad thought mom was going to take me home. Mom thought dad was going to take me home. Can I tell you, I don't care how much you sing about the goodness and the greatness of our God. When you wake up and the lights are out, a church is a spooky place to wake up. <laughs> when you're all alone. You hear things. You see drips that come into the church that shouldn't be there at times. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. I love the church. I knew which Sunday school teacher served the best snacks, so if the, Sunday, if the altar service got going too long, I would go find that supply closet. I'd chow down on those cookies. So when I was nine years old, my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack. I was nine, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. 
But I have to tell you, I never felt disadvantaged or the negative impact of being raised by a single mom because I was a part of a great church, much like the mission, where I had a lot of spiritual dads. I had Royal Ranger commanders who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car, youth sponsors that would take me on Detroit Tiger baseball games. This sounds crazy. I grew up feeling sorry for kids who only had one dad because <laughs> I had all these spiritual dads. Well, it was in the context of the local church that I felt God's call on my life to go into the ministry, so I took off and I went to Bible college, and that's when it happened. I started meeting other preacher's kids. In fact, my roommate was a preacher's kid from Carlinville, Illinois, and he would go home on the weekends, and his dad would give him an opportunity to take part in the service. His dad would give him an opportunity to maybe be a part of a board meeting, and he'd come back, and we'd stay up late Sunday night, early hours Sunday morning, just talking church stuff. He would say things like, my dad said this is how we ought to do leadership training. My dad said this is how we ought to do assimilation. My dad said this is how we ought to do community outreach. My dad said, my dad said, my... And for one of the first times in my life, I felt like I had been cheated by God. I thought, Lord, I would like a dad that would walk me out in these pastoral prayers. I would like a dad. Now watch this. Because I wasn't processing the reality of my situation through the lenses of Scripture. I was processing it through my emotions. And I don't know about you, but my emotions don't always tell me the truth. My emotions can lie to me at times. So I'd talk myself in, I'm going to quit school, go home, and take care of my mom. <laughs> I remember calling her one night and saying, Mom, I can't connect the dots on this. Why would God do something so unjust to our family? <laughs> and like only a pastor's wife, Mom, could do. She said, Honey, I can't answer your why questions, but I can promise you this. And my mom broke into a really cool prayer. Her prayer went something like this. Lord, you said in your word. <laughs> now, I grew up with my mom using that phrase an awful lot. But can I tell you something, friends? I'm 60 years old. I'm the general superintendent of the largest Pentecostal fellowship in the world. But I got to tell you, I don't think everything my mom said was in the book was really in the book. <laughs> I think she just used that phrase to leverage her authority against us boys at times. But this time, she was spot on. Because she said, Lord, you said in your word, you'd be a father to the fatherless. And I claim that promise. Well, we hung up, and I didn't feel any better. <laughs> I was still ready to quit school. The next day in chapel, there was a missionary challenging students to surrender all and to give their life to, to whatever God wants them to do. And as, as they were coming forward singing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, I didn't. I just turned around and I knelt in my chapel seat. And by this time, I was just venting my frustration to God. God, this stinks. I was in that knelt position, feeling sorry for myself, having a pity party, when all of, a, all of a sudden I felt the strength and the warmth of a large hand placed on my back. I turned around and I looked and there was Coach Arnold 
Forrest Arnold, he was the basketball coach, the athletic director of Central Bible College, six foot six, 250 pounds, just a hulk of a man. And he had his paw, I mean his hand on my back. And he was kind of old school Pentecost because he would push on my back in cadence while he was praying for me. You know, I was the only kid in elementary school never checked for scoliosis because that's how the deacons prayed for me every Sunday night at the altar. When I turned around and I looked, coach had a crocodile tear coming down his cheek. He said, Duggar, I knew your dad. I know your mom. Both of them would be really proud of you. And then it happened. He took his hand and he, he put it to my shoulder and he pulled me really tight into himself. And then he said, Duggar, as long as you're at Central Bible College, I consider you like my own son. And when he said son, I jumped up and I tried to hug him and he hugged me and I snotted and cried all down the front of his shirt. And church, can I tell you, it was like instant replay going off in my mind. 24 hours later, there, earlier, there was a godly mom who said, Lord, you said in your word. Listen, I can't promise you that life is going to be hassle-free. I can't promise you that good people aren't going to disappoint you. I can't promise that some of your kids and family members aren't going to walk away from the faith, challenging everything that you've tried to invest in them. But I can promise you this, though mountains may crumble and seas run dry, it's the word of our God that stands forever. We've got a God who has the integrity and the ability ability to deliver good on his word. So sometimes you got to stop thinking to yourself so much and start rehearsing the promises of God. Rehearsing the promises of God. You know, I, I feel led just to stop. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. I really felt in my heart that when I read that verse about walking in the presence of the Lord, that some of you just needed to be reminded of that. You've walked in the echoes of other people's expectation. You've walked with the messaging that you've picked up on social media or news blogs. But I believe God's word for this service, this morning, this day. Start walking in the presence of the Lord and allow his word to be louder both in your ears and your spirit than yourself or others. I'm going to throw a curveball to those who are working at the um, PowerPoint. Can you go towards the end of the presentation and find the verse in 2 Timothy 14? 4 verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 4. I really believe, really believe, church, that what God wants to remind us today that living with the awareness of the presence of God is not so much that He's not there, it's just we have to train our perspective to see Him there. And part of the training of the perspective of seeing here is feeding your spirit with the truth of God's Word rather than news and, and realities that have a tendency to challenge that. There's a really cool verse, 2 Timothy. You see, 
training your perspective to be aware of God's presence, I got to tell you, it starts with God. And until God is at home in your heart, you're going to always feel incomplete. But look what Paul writes. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. And may it not be held against them. Now watch this. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that, through the, so that the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. I feel like God wants to remind some of you today he doesn't always give you an answer. I've struggled with that for a while. God, why don't you just answer? Why? You know, God doesn't always give you an answer. And here's what I've come up with. Number one, if he gave it to me, I might not understand it. <laughs> and secondly, he's not obligated to give me an answer. So God may not give you an answer, but I promise you, he will always give you himself. He will always give you, he, he will always stand at your side. The third member of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit, when you said yes to Jesus, takes residency in your life. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost to be feared. He's not an it to be debated. He's not some idle member of the, uh, of the Trinity. He's the very nature of God that when you said yes to Jesus, lives inside of you and he will help you be aware of his presence so i just feel led this morning to remind some of you grab a scripture rehearse that scripture grab a promise of god when you're going through why is this happening to me because it's the word of god that can sustain you and to help you be aware of his presence. Hey, let's pray together, can we? Lord, thank you today. And thank you for sort of this redirection in this teaching because I believe it's for somebody in this room that needs to know that God is right here, right now, right next to them. Thank you, Lord, that your presence, the omnipresence of God, isn't some attribute that we can't comprehend. It's a living reality that said God's right here. And so today, Lord, I pray for two groups of people, those who've never come to the place in their life where they know for certain if they were to die today, they would spend eternity with you. And those today that need a perspective adjustment to be aware of your presence. Church, would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment? And if you're watching online, please don't toggle away at this moment. I want you to lean into this moment. But if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Clay, would you include me in your final prayer? I do not live with the reality that if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I don't live with the full confidence that I belong to God and God belongs to me. Listen, I can't imagine doing life without that kind of a reality. And I want to pray for you. 
You say, well, I know a lot about the church. I've got relatives that are in the church. I know this. It's, it's not about just knowing about the church. It's all about having a personal relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Clay, include me in your final prayer. I don't know the Lord. I don't live with confidence that uh, I've been adopted into his forever family. And I want to seal that deal today. And when everybody else's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want you to raise your hand and look at me because I want to include you in my final prayer. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? If you're watching online, just fire a thumbs up emoji. I want to pray that you'll know that you'll know that you'll know. God bless you. That Jesus is both your Savior and your Lord several adults raised their hand. Hey, this is what I would like to do. I, I want to pray a prayer, but I, I, I would like you to repeat the prayer after me. So if you raised your hand, this prayer is for you, but I would like the entire church to pray this prayer right now after me. Would you please, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, do believe I do believe that you are the way, you are the way. Truth, truth, and life. You came from heaven to earth to die for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and establish yourself as my Savior and my Lord. So with my mouth I confess and in my heart I believe that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, congratulations. Congratulations for praying. Hallelujah. And if you prayed that prayer and meant that prayer, I know this church wants to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord, wants you to discover all that God has for you. And uh, I would love, I would love to just shake your hand, hug your neck, and congratulate you and welcome you to the family of God after this service. Now, I said there are two groups of people, and this time with our heads up and our eyes open, if you're here today and you're a child of God, you're all in, you love the Lord, but You've experienced some things just, just this year, maybe just this month, and it's caused you to lose your, your awareness that the Lord is right here, right now, right next to you, standing at your side. Then I want to include you in a prayer. I want to speak life and faith into your heart to not let your spirit and your perspective get so pulled away from the reality that we serve a right here, right now, right next to us presence. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand together. I'm going to ask the worship team just to lead us in one song of worship. And if you're here and you have some family relationships, you have some work relationships, you have some physical relationships that just that's clouding your perspective that in this song I'm going to pray that God would be the glory and the lifter of your head and that you would see His presence near you. Lord Jesus, in the few minutes through the duration of this song, 
we pray there would be a great perspective adjustment that takes place and we would literally turn our attention, turn our focus, turn our eyes upon you and see you standing right here, right now, right next to us. In Jesus' name I pray. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come, Come this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what Hallelujah. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, singing only spirit Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Your glory, God. Your glory, God is what I Hallelujah! To be going to get confronted by that. <laughs> I, just, I just got a text from my wife. It, uh, my youngest has been preeclampsia with her fourth child and kind of some situation, and she said, well, it's baby time. Woo-hoo! Water broke 10.30 last night. She came in, and they're, you know, and so it's just, it's, it's life. Uh, before I left, wow, she's bed rest, preeclampsia. Now it's baby time. So I can't, we can't predict what comes at us, but how we handle it. And the beautiful thing about being a follower of Jesus is you don't have to handle it on your own. He gives us himself, he gives us his word, and he gives us the body of Christ. He gives us the church. I love the church because it's a it's an opportunity once a week to take a break at looking at life horizontally and considering the nature and the goodness of God. This week, I want you to be conscientiously aware of the presence of God. Come on, one more time, just that little phrase, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.